Amen. Thank you for that special. Acts chapter number seven this morning. Acts chapter number seven. We're going to continue our study here in the book of Acts, and I hope that you have been challenged and helped as we've studied through this book, and, and uh, we're going to look at the last several verses of Acts chapter number seven, beginning in verse number 51 this morning. St- Stephen is being accused of, of blasphemy. He's being accused by the religious leaders of the day. They've taken him before a council of people, and and their intent for Stephen is to do him physical harm because of his teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. And what is Stephen doing? Stephen is going, saying this, that the law doesn't save, that Jesus Christ, he has come and he's fulfilled the law and he went to the cross and he shed his blood there upon the cross so that all mankind can be forgiven. He's preaching this and the people aren't liking what they're hearing, the religious leaders, because it's gonna mess up everything that they are teaching and that they have learned He says this in verse number 51, ye stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Boy, aren't those tough words? (laughs) I mean, here here they're confronting Stephen and he comes right back at his accusers. He calls them stiff-necked. And in verse number 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? Well, he's asking them some pointed questions. He says, what about, what about your fathers, all these prophets, the ones that you believe now and the ones that you read after, your fathers didn't even respect, didn't listen to the prophets. And which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? They have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers. And he calls them murderers. He's pointed right back at them. You see, they're coming to attack Stephen and attack his beliefs, but Stephen is putting it all back on them. He's saying this, I'm preaching and you're gonna persecute me just like your fathers persecuted the others that were trying to teach and preach truth. He says this in verse number 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and not kept it. Look at their response in verse number 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to their heart They gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city, stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And we're going to hear more about Saul as we study through. His name is going to be changed to Paul, the great apostle Paul. This is our first introduction to Saul or Paul. Paul at this time is not a a great apostle preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Paul is now standing there at the feet of Stephen. He's collecting their garments. He's holding their garments as they pick up stones to kill Stephen. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not that, this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Well, I'll tell you that last verse, verse number 60, when Stephen is being stoned, when he's being murdered, he's standing for truth, he's standing for faith, he's being stoned. And his response 
in that place, Stephen, who has done nothing wrong, Stephen, who is just standing for truth, Stephen, who's living for God, living for Christ, just teaching and doing what he's supposed to do, a man of faith and a man here that's being persecuted. And this is his response. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Wow. I wish I responded to my critics that way. I wish I responded to those that may not want to hear truth the way Stephen responded. We preach for many weeks the church, uh, the healthy church, and now we're looking at this theme for the next several weeks, at least through chapter 11 or so of the book of Acts. The church is under attack. The church is under attack. Satan is doing everything he can to destroy the church. And I want you to know this. He's doing everything he can today to do the same. This is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago and now Satan doesn't really care what happens in the church. No, he's still trying to destroy the church. But there's a promise that we have, and that is this, that upon this rock, Jesus said, I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The only reason that Satan has not destroyed the church is because Christ is stronger. That's why. He's greater. He wins. He's victorious. It's the only reason why Satan doesn't have the victory that he wants to have is because he is not stronger than God. You need to know that. You need to know that because Satan is going to attack you. Satan's going to do everything he can to discourage you. He's going to do everything he can to discourage your home. He's going to do everything he can to discourage your marriage. He's going to do everything he can to get you to live a life that doesn't look like a life of victory. But don't forget, as we said last week, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan may try, but I want you to know this. Satan will fail because of God. But he's going to attack. This week, I want to look at a thought, how do you respond when you're confronted with truth? Now, I'm not asking you how do you respond when you're like Stephen when you're confronted with persecution, because we saw how Stephen responded. How do you respond when you're confronted with truth? When someone tells you something that you don't want to hear, even though it's true, has anybody ever confronted you on something that was true and you just didn't want to hear it? I, um, ever so often, I try to dress myself. And when I do, my wife will say to me, that doesn't match. Matter of fact, she did it this morning and I went ahead and I just revolted against her and wore this tie with this jacket. She saw me this morning and she said, that's a yellow tie. She said, what are you gonna wear with that? I said, my gray jacket. And she says, I think you've got a better tie than that. And I didn't want to hear truth. It was so funny, I came in this morning and talked to a few people and I saw a lady look at my tie and say, hmm. I said, my wife set you up, didn't she? She said, I haven't talked to your wife this morning, is she here? I said, um, what's going on with the tie? She says, I think you could have done better than that. Same exact words my wife told me this morning. You see, when we're confronted with truth, we don't always like to hear truth. Matter of fact, sometimes when we're confronted with truth, we rebel against it because we don't want to hear it. Here we find Stephen is preaching truth. 
He's preaching that Jesus Christ died, that the Messiah that, that they had been longing for and waiting for, the Messiah that has been promised, the Messiah that was gonna come from the line and lineage of Abraham, from the seed of Abraham was gonna come and, and he was going to be king and he, he, was, he was going to, to forgive mankind of their sin. They've been longing for this and Stephen says, he's here. But you don't wanna hear it. Stephen is preaching truth to these religious leaders. And they have taken him and they're ready to physically harm him. They're ready to physically put him to death because of his stand for Christ. He is speaking truth and they don't want to hear it. Stephen has said that God's plan through Abraham's seed, we looked at last week, that Abraham came on the scene. For what reason? Because God just wanted Abraham to move? No, because God just wanted to, to uh, uh, have Abraham leave his home and, and, and punish Abraham? No, it had nothing to do with Abraham. It had everything to do with God's plan to redeem mankind back to him, to reconcile mankind. And Stephen is preaching this and saying, through Abraham's seed, the Messiah is going to come, and he has come. The Hebrew people have continually, he says, disobeyed God, but God still loves them and sought to redeem them. Probably one of the greatest stories of mankind, of God and mankind, is even though mankind sinned, God still loves you. He might hate the sin, but he never hates the sinner. He loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Stephen is preaching that Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Messiah. The man that they crucified, the man that they nailed to that cross, he is the king that they say that they're looking for and longing for. The one they want so badly has come. And Stephen, what he's doing is he's confronting them with truth. My question to us today would be this. How do you respond when you're confronted with truth? How do you respond when you're confronted with truth? You know, one of the hardest things as humans is to be told that you're wrong. How many of you like to be told you're wrong? Nobody. Either nobody or you're all sleeping, one or the other, huh? Nobody. We like to be right. We like to be right in every area. One time my wife said to me, I'm not arguing with you anymore. You always think you're right. I said, well, if I thought I was wrong, I wouldn't be arguing with you, you know? Of course I'm right in this area. We always want to be right. Some today are so easily offended when they're confronted with truth. You know, it really concerns me. Concerns me, you would think that God's people want to hear truth. And so many people today that claim that they know God they want to resist the truth that God wants to give us. People say this, I've always done it this way. Well, if you've always done it wrong, it doesn't mean it's right. Just because we've always done something doesn't make it truth. This is how I was taught. You know, here these religious leaders, they were taught this way, but Jesus Christ came and he freed them and he took them out of bondage. He fulfilled the law. He went to the cross and he was the Messiah, but because what they've always been taught, they weren't willing to allow truth to confront them. Some resist because it's change. How many of you love change? Nobody likes change. Nobody likes change. But sometimes, you know what? Truth, confronted, us confronted with truth ought to change us. Truth should change us. 
Stephen is facing a council of leaders that are resistant to the truth that Stephen is teaching. You hear me this morning, church ought to be a place that challenges our living. It should be. You know, everyone wants something different about church. Some people want just a place to gather because we've always gone to church. And so I'm just going to go to church because I've always gone to church. I guess that's a good reason, but I don't think that's the best reason. Some go to church because it's by their house or because it's easy to get to. Some go to church because of program or this or that. Some go to church because their pastor has red hair. I don't know why you come to church. But everyone goes to church for some reason. But I would challenge each and every one of us this morning that we ought to go to church because we want to be challenged with truth in our lives. All of us need to be challenged. Church ought to be a place that challenges our living. Church ought to be a place that challenges our thinking. Church ought to be a place that challenges our beliefs. Church ought to be a place that challenges our traditions and our character and our actions. These, these ought to be a place. This, there, there, there's got to be a place that we can go to that stands for truth. You know, all through society today, everyone's looking for truth. This news station is the truth, and this news station isn't. This politician's the truth, and this policy, uh, politician isn't. This religion is the truth, and this religion isn't. And, and this place is telling the truth, and this place isn't. I'll tell you, it's so difficult even uh, now, whether you read or watch, we don't know what truth is anymore. And it's difficult living in a society where we can't believe what somebody's saying or believe what somebody's placing on social media or believe what we hear on the news or believe what we read. Or It's difficult, but I want to inform you today that there is still something left in this world that is truth, and it's the Word of God. Listen, man's opinion isn't truth, only God's Word is. Church ought to be a place, and hear me today, church can be a place and should be a place and will be a place that stands upon truth as long as we stand upon God's word. I've said this so often to so many. Somebody will say, you know, pastor, we'd like to know your opinion on something. Why don't you, why don't you share your opinion? And the reality is this, because my opinion on things can change, but the word of God never changes. There are things that I used to do or used to think was right, things that maybe I used to raise kids. How many of you, you've raised more than one kid? When you raised your first kid, boy, you, 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 you did it right. I mean, they sniff a little bit, you got them at the doctor, right? They, they uh, 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 you know, limping a little, you got to get them to the doctor. They probably broke something. By the time you've had five kids, when they have a sniff, you're like, wipe it on your, kid, your brother's sleeve and you'll be all right. You're limping a little. Well, let's just work that thing out. Maybe in a week we'll take him to the doctor if it doesn't get better. You know? The more kids you have, the less you realize. But I want you to, tell you, know, I want you to know something today. There is something that is worth standing for, and that is the Word of God. Would you write this down, please, in your heart someplace? There's a source of truth. Stephen is giving us here the source of truth. And the source of truth is not our feelings. The source of truth is not man's opinions. The source of truth is not man's traditions. The source of truth is not man's religion. The source of truth is the word of God. It is the word of God. And Stephen is 
teaching and preaching and trying to get these stiff-necked religious leaders of the day to understand Jesus Christ is truth. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy. Timothy is kind of his son in the faith. He's the, the guy that he's mentoring and training. And Paul knows that he doesn't have much life left and he's investing in men like Timothy because Paul wants what he has taught and what he has preached to go on for generations to come. And he knows I've got to invest that into a, a man like the name Timothy. And he says to Timothy this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul is saying to Timothy, all scripture, everything that you find is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed. Man did not write the word of God. God, through the Holy Spirit of God, breathed into man, and man penned what the Holy Spirit of God told him to pen. You know, this book that we hold, the Bible, is the only living book. I love to read. Matter of fact, I love to read too much. I've got books everywhere. I've got books under my bed. I've got books on my nightstand. I've got books in my closet. I just keep buying more books, and I keep hiding them. I've ran out of hiding places to put books. My wife is catching me now. I love to read. But when I read, I realize this, the only truth that I read is this book. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul is saying to Timothy, everything that is written in scripture, it's there by God and it's there for us. It's what we, what we cause our doctrine to be formed around. We, it's there for reproof. It's there for correction. It's there for instruction in righteousness. What is it there for? It's there to speak truth into our life. Oh, listen to me today. Don't resist truth. Don't resist the Holy Spirit of God when he's wanting to speak to you and challenge you and change you and correct you. Don't resist what he's trying to do. It's for our good. This is why Paul also instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2. He says this to Timothy. He says in, in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then he says this in 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. What he was saying is, Timothy, this. We've got truth. So preach the truth. Make sure it's a priority in our life. Listen to me, I stand here today, I've had enough of man's opinions. I've had enough of religion. I've had enough of tradition. I want to us to get back to a revolution, back to the Bible, back to the Word of God, back to truth. That's what we need in churches today. That's what we need in our marriages today. That's what we need in raising our children today. That's what we need in education today. That's what we need back in our churches today. A revolution back to the Bible. Revolution back to truth. You see, all the way back in Genesis, go there with me. We've been here before. I want to go there again. Genesis chapter number three, very first book in the Bible. I want to bring you to a conversation that took place in the Garden of Eden. A conversation that was being truth, was being challenged. The temptation all the way back in the garden was to get man to doubt what God said. Listen, what Satan wants you to do is doubt what God said. You hear me, Tom? What Satan wants you to do is doubt what God said. You hear me, Doug? Everything Satan throws at you is to get you to doubt what God says. God said, I'll give you everlasting life through Jesus Christ. You know what Satan gets you to do? Doubt that. There's got to be something more. 
The word of God says you can't do anything to merit your salvation. All you can do by faith is receive it. And Satan says, there's got to be more. You've got to do something. God says, I'm going to give it to you by my mercy and my grace. And, and Satan says, no, you got to earn this. God says you can't live this victorious Christian life without believing his word. And Satan says, no, you've got it inside of you to do this on your own. He's confused man. He's confused religion. God says this, and Satan is always getting you to doubt God's word. Look with me in Genesis chapter number three, in verse number one. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, what's he say? Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? He's saying, didn't, did God say this? As and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. What's, what's Eve doing? Eve is saying, say, Satan, Satan says, did God say this? And Eve is saying, well, this is what God said. And so all Satan was doing is trying to get Eve to say, this is what God said. And this is now Satan's tactic. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Wait a minute, God said you would. You see, this is Satan's tactic. Question God. Question truth. God says to live this way. Satan says, do you really need to? God says that his word is true, and Satan says, is it really? God says that you must be saved this way, and, God, and Satan says, do you? Satan's always getting you and getting I and getting the human race to question what God says. Let me ask you this. Did God say to Adam and Eve not to eat of that fruit because he wanted them to miss out on something? No, he didn't want them to eat because he didn't want them to fall into sin. And Satan always makes sin look so pleasurable. Doesn't he? You ever see the commercials for, 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 for things that are sinful on TV? They never show you the whole story, do they? They never show you where sin leads to. Boy, you, 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 see, the, you see the commercials for alcohol, and it seems like everybody's having fun, and, and everybody's, everyone's doing well, and, and boy, what a party this is. But you know what sin doesn't show you? It doesn't show you the little boy that's hiding in the corner because dad came home drunk, and dad's going to take his rage out on that little child. It doesn't, doesn't show you that lady with her couple kids, and they're hungry. And she's doing everything she can to love those children and care for those children, but she can't take care of those children like she should because dad's taking every, every dime that, the, the, that should be going to feed those children. He's out there feeding that alcoholic problem. Boy, they see you, that cigarette in your mouth. Boy, it looks good until they don't show you. They don't show you the person smoking that cigarette out of the hole in their throat. Well, they, make, they make sex and pornography look so good. But you don't, you don't see that person that's living in guilt and living in shame. I was watching a documentary not long ago 
of what drugs are doing to England, same thing it's doing in our inner cities. And it was a documentary of a, of a guy that he was in a relationship and he was, he's married to this, this girl. And he said, what a wonderful life we have until she started getting hooked on, on, on heroin. She now has given herself to prostitution to feed this habit and it showed him trying to beg, beg for her back and beg that she gets off of that. You know, sin doesn't show you that. It just shows you the, the pleasures. And Satan wants to deceive you and make you to think that, that your way and, and the way of the world is the best way and, and the way that God wants you to do it. He just wants you to miss out on fun. He just wants you to miss out on a thrill. He just wants you to miss out on the good things in life. I'll tell you this today. I'm having the thrill of my life. I'm having the fun of my life. I love being married and I love being faithful and I love raising my children in church and I love living for God and I don't think there's anything this world has to offer that I'm missing out out on. Oh, but Satan will get you to think there's more. He's doing it to Eve here. Look what he says. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. Doubt God. Doubt is goodness. Doubt is love. Hear me today, we've seen the result in society when we remove God and remove his word. We've removed prayer. We've removed the Bible. We're teaching that mankind came from evolution, that there's, that there's nothing great about us. We, we're gonna be born and we're gonna die and that's it. No God in society, no praying in Jesus' name. The Bible warns of this. We've lost our natural affection. Uh, I saw a video this week somebody had sent to me and asked me, have you seen this? This lady walks up to a family in the mall and just starts stabbing their son. Because human beings don't mean anything to us anymore. But they were made in the image of God. Inside every single human being, there's a soul. God desires for that soul to live for all of eternity with him. He came and he died so that you could be redeemed back to him. And Satan says, no prayer, no Bible, no God, no Jesus. We lose care and we lose love. We take that out of society and human life is unimportant. We see hate. We see racism. We see murder. We see violence. We see someone being hurt, and what do people do today? Somebody's getting beat up. Somebody's getting abused. Somebody's uh, 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 a mentally uh, uh, ill child is getting beat up and kidnapped and taken and, and put into a restroom and, and physically and, and emotionally traumatized. And what do they do, all those around, get a, get a phone out and video while it's happening? God, help us. God, help us when our hearts have been so cold God, help us when we see another human being hurting and we do nothing to help. That person was made in the image of God. That person has a soul that God loves. 
We see pornography raging in our community today. It's taken and just desensitized uh, man and woman. The, that man, that woman isn't a human being anymore that has a soul. She's just a piece of flesh that is there to satisfy my pleasure. pleasure. No, that woman is a, has a soul that God came and sent his son to die for. We're so desensitized to sin. In the court systems today, there's many children that are there in court because they've murdered their parents. They're so desensitized. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Satan says, you don't need to honor them. Do your thing. Court systems are full of adults that have molested children. God help us. Fights, road rage, just killings. Turned on the news this morning on the way to church this morning and listening to a, once again, a police officer pulls over somebody, I think it was in Texas this time, and opens fire and kills four or five people. You see, listen, society without the gospel Society without the, without the gospel is always going to spiral out of control. Politicians can't fix the problem. Money can't fix the problem. The only thing that can fix the problem is if we confronted with truth and we accept truth. We need a revolution back to the Bible. We need a revolution back to truth. Society today needs to be confronted with the truth. And it starts by realizing the source of truth and the source of truth is God and his word. Go back with me to Acts chapter seven. You with me still? Acts chapter seven, verse number 48. Howbeit the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands as saith the prophet. Heaven is thy throne. Earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? That's the source of truth. Boy, the thought that God created the sun when the sun didn't even exist. How did he even think of the sun? He created the moon. He created the stars. He created earth. He created mankind. All these things were created by his word. He didn't take something that somebody else made that was wiser than him. He didn't take something that mankind made. He didn't take something that other gods made. He took his word and simply said, let there be something. And guess what? It was there the moment he said it out of his mouth. That same God is the God that says, I want to give truth to you. The same God that created the Garden of Eden, the same God that created earth, the same God that created the rain and the snow and the wind, and the same God that created all these things that we so enjoy here upon this earth is the same God that says, I want to be truth in your life. Listen to me. You write this down, please. In order for us, number one, we need to find the source of truth. In order for us to accept truth when it's spoken. We have to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead us. You know, humanism and naturalism says 
they say this, there's no miracles left anymore. There's nothing supernatural taking place here. There's no divine intervention. God may have created, some believe this, maybe God created and then he, then he turned his back and he's allowing mankind to, to, to deal with his own affairs. You know what the Bible tells us? That God is very involved and very interested in the affairs of mankind. God did create, in Genesis chapter number one, the heavens and the earth. God did create uh, everything that we see in six days and rest on the seventh. And he didn't then turn around and say, mankind, you do with what you want. No, he has been involved since day one, and he's involved today. He's involved in your life. He's involved in the affairs of this world. He cares about truth. He cares about you. He sent his son so that you could spend eternity with him. Don't tell me God doesn't care. God didn't care, Jesus would have never come. You need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead you and to lead your thoughts and lead your life and let the word of God be truth. When you're confronted with uh, uh, truth, let me show you something here. And I want to see this in verse number 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. I just put a thought in my Bible here. What were they so mad about? What were they so mad about? Stephen just wanted them to hear truth. Stephen just simply wanted them to hear and accept that Jesus Christ loves them. And they responded in their flesh. Listen, when you're confronted with truth, don't respond in your flesh. Don't, don't think that you've arrived and there's nothing more that you can learn. Every single one of us can grow in this area. Every single one of us can grow in our marriage. You want a strong marriage? Let truth, let truth be in your marriage. Every one of us can take this thought into work. You want to have a better workplace? Let truth guide you at work. Let truth guide you in your friendship. Let truth guide you in parenting. Let truth guide you in your thoughts. Always allow the word of God to have priority in every area of your life. My question today is this, what do you do when you're confronted with truth? What do you do when you're confronted with, confronted with the truth of the gospel? What do you do today when you're confronted that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he came to this earth to die for your sins? What do you do with that truth? What do you do with the truth of your lifestyle? Is there anything in your life that you are living in contrary to truth? What are you going to do when you're confronted with truth? Get mad? Rebel? Walk away? Do what they did? Punish the person that's showing you the truth? What are you going to do today when you're confronted with truth of your walk with God? You see, every place, every person ought to have a place that they go to where truth is presented. But my question today is this, how do you respond when you're confronted with truth? Father,